This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, joined by Anthony Pusick. How are you, sir? Hey, Don. Doing well. How are you? Look at the games last night. Everything's good. I mean, getting ready for the weekend. I'm calling that Ranger-Devil game tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. First time these two teams have met since what happened in the playoffs last year. I don't remember what happened. We'll see what happens uh, with Lindgren. Obviously, Fox out. Heedle still out. Um, It's a little concerning, Don, isn't it? The Larry Brooks article about Heedle? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's anything short-term. It's already been... They believe it's a concussion again. That's four for him in his young career. Four or five, and it's up there for a young player. And, of course, the Devils are hoping to get Jack Hughes back, but didn't seem to matter last night as they beat the Penguins 5-2. to Crosby keeps his point streak alive at 10. But still, the Devils were the better team in the third period. Again, Pittsburgh scores early. But like they did a lot last year, Anthony, they just did not play a complete 60 minutes. And it's kind of creeping into the game again for Pittsburgh. But the Devils have had their number six straight wins now against Pittsburgh, dating back to a couple of years ago. Uh, It's the only meeting the Devils and the um, Penguins will have in Pittsburgh because of the rotation. They're only playing three times. But uh, Devils really needed that one. And to be able to go into a game with a red-hot Pittsburgh team on the road without Meyer, without Heashier, without Hughes, and to win that game 5-2, to two, I think was a kind of a stabilizing game for New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about Pittsburgh and how hot they've been recently. That's a team that's been playing very well. Brian Rust with, another, uh, with two goals. Um, and they look good through two periods. But then the Devils kind of turned it on in the third. And when they're healthy, they are the better team. And they haven't had the greatest start to this season. And they've had the injuries, like you said. But... To beat a Pittsburgh team in Pittsburgh with all the injuries they have and how good Pittsburgh's been, that's a nice win for the Devils uh, going into the Ranger game on Saturday. And we got to have a little hockey during the K show yesterday watching the Senators and Red Wings. What a game that was. Just a huge come-from-behind point, I guess you would put it. I don't know why we gamble. For the, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I gamble. But you you do the ice picks, which you're great at, but I don't know why. I do but it. you were great. I mean, you were in, you were in great shape early second period. It's four nothing Senators. And, no, and I was just, in horrible shape. Oh, that, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was I, I was that that game was dead to me. I had Red Wings money line in a parlay with uh, that's right that's with uh, right. Debrinket and Stutzla three plus shots on goal. I like the shots on goal parlays. Don, those are fun. Yeah, um, and then Raymond Perron, Debrinket. I was like, wow, this is great. Bing, 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 bing. All of a sudden, it's 4-4, but then Ottawa gets the game-winning goal from Tim Stutzla with the less than two seconds. And he ba- to play I, you know, I didn't even see it, Don, until last night. He baseball batted it out of the air. Like, it was one of the most incredible yeah. goals of the season to get it to get. And I was just like, I would have rather it just been the 4 nothing and not yeah, even had a over. shot. They did because just, they, that they I had so you. much hope. They teased you. They Ugh. teased you. Now um, Got another one for today, though. Got another one, uh, Maple Leafs and the Red Wings, and the, the Wild are out there as well, so they've got an 11 a.m. game on Saturday against the Senators, and then it'll all finish up on Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning with the Wild and the Maple Leafs. Uh, we go through it a lot in the NFL because the NFL has their games now, that, you know, the, the two games in Germany that they had earlier this month and playing the games over in England and what you know, Mexico City and all that, like what's the purpose of it? Um, I actually think it makes more sense, Anthony, that the NFL does it than the NHL does it. I I really don't see the end game for the NHL. Okay. Uh, they've got access to 
uh, hockey there. They've got you know Swedish players playing in the National Hockey League. I guess you give a little something back, but I just think that it's a lot to ask these teams to just so early in the season have to go out there. Um, in the NFL, you're trying to sell the sport to those people, maybe getting people to play football. Hockey's already got them. I don't know. I, I just don't see the necessity in it. It's not a big deal. I guess we, we get some afternoon hockey, which is always fun, kind of takes us back to the bubble during the pandemic or yeah. whatever, but... You know, I I could take it or leave it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm fi- look, I like having being able to watch hockey during the K show. I was I'm fine with it. I I understand your point. I mean, you already have that fan base. I guess it's just the NHL's way because international players and fans are so integral into the sport to give them something to say. Hey, we're going to give you games that matter. We're not going to give you preseason games in the middle of. September, we're going to give you a couple of games with a couple of teams. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, as we know, how important Swedish players have been to the Red Wings over the years with Lidstrom and Zetterberg and guys like that. And you see them making appearances in these games. Um, and you, like you said, there is a lot of international uh, players on these teams, and it's probably good for them. But yeah, I mean, in the middle of a season, I don't know what their schedules look like after this. I imagine they had a lot of days off beforehand and a lot of days off after, and they're going to pay for it later on. Um, but it's fun. It it, yeah. it it certainly isn't like you know. I'm not gonna say London is a different type of game, but you usually go under in those games. It seems like the NFL players are really really tired, and I'm not saying the hockey players aren't because they're definitely defense was optional yesterday. I wonder how it's gonna be for the Red Wings today on a back to back Red Wing uh, Maple Leafs with some fresh legs. Um, but it certainly is not like this doesn't look like hockey. It, it, it's the same, but yeah. I mean, in the, if the Rangers were out in Sweden and you had to do a 2 o'clock game, Don, I'm sure you'd feel a way about it. Kapo Kakwonen gets 44 saves. Sharks beat up on the Blues. How about uh, that? Final score of 5-1. Really what it comes down to with the Sharks is that if they get um, unbelievable goaltending, they got a chance to win. 45 shots on goal. My goodness. And the Blues have just been really red hot, scoring goals like crazy. But, you know, you get a good goaltender, it kind of evens things out. So the Sharks uh, pick up their, their their third win. Mike Hoffman is a guy to take a look at, Anthony, for mm-hmm. me. Yep. Because there's going to be pieces that the Sharks are going to deal off here in what's going to be a lost season. And Hoffman had a couple of goals. He's only got three on the season, but I've always liked him. He's played some big games, you know, with his time kind of bouncing around. I remember him in Ottawa. Uh, I, I think that that's that's a piece that um, I think could get moved, and we'll see yeah. when. It's not it's not a question of if, but when the Sharks start to unload some pieces. Probably not right away, but I think once we get through the holidays and enter into the 24 portion of the season, you're going to start seeing players like Mike Hoffman getting dealt. Yeah, that that 2016. Actually, quite frankly, from 2014 to 2020, he had at least 22 goals. In every season, I mean, he's definitely the he's definitely a guy you look at as a goal scorer and a, a winger that a team that is contending could definitely use. Um, and you know the Sharks aren't going anywhere. Yeah, that's a name. I mean, you take a look down. We were talking about it yesterday when we were playing Puck Doku and Immaculate Grid. Right. Um, we were trying to find a shark, and we're thinking, let's think about who's on that team. I'm like, who's on that team right now? I'm yeah. looking around on that team. I didn't know Mike Hoffman was on it. I didn't know that uh, Philip Zadina was on it. Uh, you got Sturm. We talked about. Uh, names here that I I don't recognize. It's a team that is obviously, I'm not going to say they're tanking, but they're certainly not looking to be winning the Pacific Division. No, they just um, don't have a lot of talent. You know, they're 3-13-1 for a reason, and, and that's a team, it's, it's unfortunate, Anthony, that they didn't have a cup, but yeah. they were good for a long time, and, you know, knocking on the door, and then it kind of just slowly, Thornton got old, Marlowe got old, and then just everything kind of fell apart from there. And now they're trying to rejigger it here, and we'll see. They'll obviously have a really good draft pick this year, probably next year as well. Had one last year, and 
We'll see how it works out um, from there. Islanders do get a point, but again, the Ugh. struggles continue for them. This has kind of been the lost road trip. You know, lost lose season. in Edmonton, um, lose in they, they get a point against Vancouver, get a point against the uh, the Kraken last night. But again, it's the same old story of just not being able. They get three goals, which I guess is pretty good for them. But you know, at the end of the day, again, they score first. They've got a two-two game going into the third period. They get they take a three-two lead on the on the Noah Dobson goal, and and they ended up uh, they end up giving up the the lead on the Yamamoto goal, and they lose in the shootout after blowing a three-one lead against Vancouver. So yes, they got a couple of points against Vancouver and Seattle, which I guess in a vacuum you'd say, hey, that's not bad on the road, West Coast. But it's how a it looks. Points, but, but it's how it looked. But it, but it's, but again, it's blowing leads. Not being able to sustain anything, not getting a, a a ton of opportunities. You know, again, they didn't have a they didn't have a lot of shots on goal again last night when they end up having twenty three like five in the third period. Yeah, you know, yeah, five so they, in the third, two in overtime. Yeah, so the only two shots in overtime. Yeah, but but still, you know, you're 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 sitting here watching your playoff hopes kind of dwindle away. You're five, six, and five. So you'll give them credit. They've got five points in overtime. So they've got 15 points, but they're a lot closer to being the worst team in the Eastern Conference than they are a playoff team. But think about this for a second. Sure. All right. You look at the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Who have played 16 games. Mm-hmm. They're 9-7-0. and oh. They're in third place in the Metropolitan Division, 18 points, you figure, all right, they're okay, but they've got a goal differential of, of even. Yeah. And then the Islanders, who are way behind, not way behind, but three points back, five, six, and five, minus 13 goal differential. But you you think of Carolina in good shape, the Islanders in bad shape, they're really kind of the same team, except the Carolinas 5-0 and or 4-0 and in overtimes, and the Islanders have not won an overtime game. So that's the difference right there. If you take those five losses in overtime of the shootout and just take maybe three of them and move them into the win column, you know, they're 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 ahead of Carolina. And then they're knocking on the yeah. door of second place in, in the division. So it's that kind of finite difference between teams that they're blowing leads, they're not getting the extra point in overtime of the shootout, and they're digging themselves a hole. But overall, that the only difference between them and Carolina, a team that I, I believe can win the Stanley Cup, is that Carolina's 4-0 in overtime and the Islanders haven't won in overtime. Yeah, same amount of row wins, as you pointed out. And the other thing that's interesting, Don, forget the goal differential itself. It's actually the fact that the Islanders have scored exactly 13 less goals than the Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes have 52 and 52 goals for goals against the Islanders are 39 and 52. Right. The goal it. scoring is difference. an issue. The Carolina is 4-1-0 at home. The Islanders are 3-3 and 3 at UBS. Uh, the Islanders have lost seven straight now and I will say this, if there was if they wanted to the uh, the competition committee or whoever it is in the NHL wanted to show why there may need to be some tweaks to overtime. Last night's Kraken Islander game is certainly a good example. There was a lot of backing up just throwing the puck in the middle of the red line, just trying to get that perfect shot. It wasn't the back and forth track meet that we've mm. seen that we saw early when three on three was uh, was implemented. Um, and then you had a god nine round shootout. I think it was. It was. Yeah. It was a lot. And I don't want to see those anymore. Listen, we're gonna have our top five in a second. Anthony will have his. What we'll, we'll, what we'll do is when we do the top five is you know I'll go, he'll go. Ooh. So we'll do five, five, four, four, the whole thing. I like that. And I, obviously, I think we both have the Canucks very high. They lose last night in Calgary to the Flames. You know, they had to come back against the Islanders. They get grossly outshot last night, thirty-nine to twenty-two. Um, 
they're they're kind of top heavy, but they've got three of the top like five point producers. They I mean, had three. Patterson's I think they had the top great. three point producers, unless right, that changed right. last night. All right, because Patterson, Miller, and Quinn, and Hughes, like so. Yep, all three yeah, of them, twenty seven each. But outside of that, you know, the goaltending is always going to be all right. You know, um, it was Demko. Really, I like Demko. I like Demko a lot. You know, but it's not like Demko has got a you know a huge resume or whatever. So just keep an eye on that team. And that was a you know, listen, Calgary's needs these wins without question. But that was kind of a loosey goosey game. The Flames certainly took advantage of that. They need Lim- Lindholm wins. to get going too. But they're also possibly on the. Po- I saw that from I think it was Dreger possibility of a fire sale in Calgary if things go sideways. Oh, it seems like that would be the case. Are they? Because what else are you going to do? You're not firing the coach. You just brought him in. Yeah. Right. So you're not doing that. He just signed. So, did, who did they just sign? Did they sign Markstrom or no? Or is he also on an expiry? Oh, yeah. Mar- no, Markstrom, uh, yeah, I believe they did. So so that's, you know, I mean, yes, you can move on from guys like Lindholm, Hannafin, guys that you don't think are going to be ending up signing back in the middle of a rebuild. And then Markstrom, I guess, is going to be your key piece there. But, I mean, yeah, good win for them. And like you said, top heavy for the Canucks. You're not going to win. You're not going to be able to outscore as the Oilers show. You, you can't outscore every game with your top heavy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to need a little bit more balance. But having Pedersen, Hughes, and Miller is a nice little uh, combo there uh, okay. for them to be able to make do some damage. Yeah, Kings cool off the uh, the red hot Panthers 2-1, to one, ending their five-game winning streak. Um, Kopitar is just he eight had that goals. resurgent season last year. He's got eight goals this year. He kind of like just poof disappeared after they won their 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 two cups in three years, and now he's kind of like really finding himself. And you take a look at that Pacific Division, and it's really interesting what this uh, Los Angeles Kings team might be able to accomplish here. They had lost a couple in a row before that win, but here they sit in third place in the Pacific Division, twenty one points. I mean. Vegas is going to be difficult to catch. We'll talk about them in just a second, but still, it's been a nice start to the season for the Kings. Nine, three, and three, and that was a nice win. And their plus fifteen goal differential is, I think, fourth best in the conference. Our good friend Cam Talbot, eight, three, and one. Yeah, uh, he's got a one point oh one goals against average. He had a one point oh one goals against average last night. Nine sixty eight save percentage. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, look, we've seen Cam Talbot carry the Rangers when Henrik Lundqvist was injured. Uh, he's a guy that, and I know he's a little older and he's bounced around a lot, but he's a good goalie. And if if they've got Kopitar scoring, he's got eight goals, like you said. Uh, this is a team that that can make noise in the in the Pacific, at least stay competitive, and maybe not catch uh, Vegas, but certainly give them a run for their money if they played in the playoffs um, the way that they play. So I, I, yeah, it's a it's a very good start to the season for the Kings. And a, and a game that I watched a lot of was that Golden Knight Canadians game. Oh. Canadians jump out two nothing. Then uh, here comes Vegas, just the back and forth. And then they just, listen, Vegas is just a better team. They had 42 shots on goal. Primo did everything he could to keep the Canadians in the game. And then they get those two goals on the review for the high stick, which then gave Vegas that uh, four-minute power play yeah. late in the third period. It's now the 4-4 tie. Eichel and Stone score the back-to-back power play goals. And then Barron scores with like a minute to go to make it 6-5 and almost score to tie the game at 6. So... I'm not going to get on Vegas for being a little leaky last night. You know they're on this uh, this trip that they're on, but 42 shots on goal, six five win. Boy, they can beat you any number of ways, Vegas. Yeah, I was watching NHL Network with the great EJ Raddick, and uh, they were talking about the game and how they came out slow, Vegas, and maybe kind of looking past Montreal a little bit. This is the longest trip that Vegas has had to start the year, um, but hey, they came back from being down early. And they got they managed to get the win. So it doesn't matter how it looks. You know, you don't give the points back, as you always say, Don. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 6-5 win. Not the prettiest game for them, but they'll take it. And, uh, yeah, Vegas and, and Vegas and Boston. Just keep rolling. 
All right, before we uh, get to your tweets at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, or at Anthony Pusick, hashtag game misconduct, let's do this week's top five. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Yeah! All right, I'll start with number five, and, and it's it's still the Dallas Stars to me, first place in the Central Division, 11 3 and 1, plus 13 goal differential. We talked about Ottinger last week, is probably one of the best goaltenders in the league, and there's just so many different ways they can beat you on the blue line and offensively. I think this team can even play better than they have. It's not like you know Robertson is off to an amazing start. What does he only have, like three, four goals? So you can just imagine what this Dallas Stars team is going to do once they really warm up. And with Colorado being kind of up and down, um, the Dallas might really run away with this division. I've got the Dallas Stars at number five. Number five. That's what I forgot to do. Yeah, I agree. Dallas Stars at five. They have the fifth most points in the league. They've won four straight, seven three and zero in their last ten. I like Ottinger. I like that team. Bunch of uh, a good mix of young, promising talent in Robertson with veterans like Sagan, uh, like we said, Matt Duchesne uh, on the podcast Wednesday has had a great season for them so far. Uh, yeah, I think that they're in the right spot at number five. Number four. And just because they haven't really, like, literally played at all since the last time we did this, I think they've only played the one game, and that was that come-from-behind victory over the Blue Jackets. I've got the Rangers at four. We discussed this last week, Anthony, that you you can flip-flop between them and Vancouver. But, you know, Vancouver's had a chance to play. They lost last night, but they had the come-from-behind victory against the Islanders. But the Rangers have overcome their injuries, plus 16 goal differential. Might now have to play with Lindgren. We'll see coming this week because they've got a very interesting week with the Devils on Saturday. It's a very re- weird road trip, right? It, it's New Jersey, Dallas, Pittsburgh. It's kind of a weird trip. But still, I, I've Rangers idle this week, but licking their wounds, I've got the uh, New York Rangers at number four. Yeah, very weird way the schedule makers have handled the Rangers uh trips this year, as you know, Don. Um, I'm going to stick with Vancouver at four. I think we had them at four last week. I'm going to keep them there. This is going to be a theme for the rest of the top five. Um, I know the Rangers have been idle, but I'm certainly not going to knock them down as a result of that. It's not like Vancouver has played poorly. They're 7-2-1 and one in their last ten. Of course, they lost last night. Uh, but the Rangers have beaten them. Um, the Rangers have played three less games than them, and they're only two points behind them. I am going to go with Vancouver at number four. Number three. Yeah, so I've got Vancouver at three, but we're, we're of like mind. Correct. Three of the top goal point producers in the league. Great goaltending. Their, um, their goal differential, even despite losing by three last night, still stands at plus 31, which is just an incredible number considering you know where they were last year. And just taking a quick look at their, um, their, goal, their, their goal differential, they're the best in the league. So, I mean, Vegas is tremendous at three. So, I'm assuming you probably flip-flop the same for your three. Yeah, it's gonna. I'm going to keep the Rangers at three. Um, second best point percentage in the league. They've only played 14 games to Vancouver 17, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm not going to knock them for being idle. Uh, that's just the way the schedule turned out. Uh, big game against uh, the Devils. It makes the, probably makes a difference in my mind of whether they can crack the top uh, two next week. Uh, but for now, we're going to keep the Rangers at three. Number two. And uh, I'm going to have Vegas at two, despite having a, a three-goal better plus differential than Boston. I just, the, the, you know, Aiden Hill was a little leaky last night. I, I still think Vegas is tremendous, but uh, uh, they're in first place in what is a very competitive Pacific division. And we've talked about this many times before. There's just so many different ways that they can kill you. Yeah. They don't have anybody that's a 
pure superstar. I guess Jack Eichel could be considered that, but if it's not Eichel, it's Stone. If it's not Stone, it's Carlson. If it's not Carlson, it's Marsha Show. They've got uh, Petrangelo on the blue No, no they're balanced. No question about it. They're so balanced, it. and they're so well coached, but... Uh, I don't have them at number one, but I have them at number two. I agree with you. Um, and like I said, it was a theme from what I did with the Rangers. Boston's played two less games. They have the best point percentage in the National Hockey League. They're only one point behind Vegas. I know Vegas beat Montreal, but they showed their warts a little bit. Boston hasn't really had that really bad or concerning game. Not that Vegas should be concerned. They are playing very, very well. They've only lost three games uh, this season. They're 13-3-1, but... I feel like within the next couple of weeks, unless the Rangers or Vancouver really impress me, we're going to be flipping Vegas and Boston back and forth uh, for the next couple of weeks as long as they keep playing the way they are. So for this week, I have Vegas at two, which means... Number one. We both have Boston at number one. Yeah, of course we have Boston. So why don't you go? Yeah, I mean, look, 12-1-2. and Uh, Best point percentage in hockey, like I said. I think that they're... Fantastic. 6-0-1 at home, 6-1-1 on the road. Very balanced. It doesn't matter where they play. They seem to always play well. Um, it's a great team. I think Jeremy Swayman has a chance this year to win the Vesna. Um, he's playing very, very well. Uh, until they show me otherwise, whereas Vegas has showed me a little bit of uh, warts against uh, lesser teams, I'm going to stick with Boston as being the best team in hockey. And and when you take a look, they're the kind of anti-Vancouver in the sense that they don't have a lot of players in the top five. There there is exactly three players in the top five of any category. The only skater is Pasternak, who's fifth in goal. And he's very, very good. Very good. But the goaltending has been the difference. Swayman is number one in the goal against average by far. He's number one at 1.69. Quick second at 1.98. Demko is third at 2.04. That's the difference. Then you look at save percentage. You've got Swayman number one by far, 944 over Varlamov's 934, and Demko's 932, and Olmark is in the top five with a save percentage. So their goaltending has been tremendous. Pasternak is tr- is great. They, you know, McAvoy comes back from the suspension. They they have not missed a beat considering they lost two of the best defensemen in the national. The, 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 excuse me, they've lost two of the best centers in the National Hockey League. When you take a look, you know you lose you lose Bergeron. You lose Krejci, and it doesn't seem to matter. Like so, they're yeah. Just, I expected uh, a step back, especially yeah. after the letdown they had getting eliminated first round last year. I expected a little bit of a step back for this team. But but you thought, and especially losing that kind of firepower or or that kind of center position, but it just shows you how deep they are, and it really just shows you that the aberration was that that series against Florida. And look, you got Montreal, who gave Vegas a run for their money tomorrow in Boston rivalry game. You've got mm-hmm. Tampa, and you've got Florida, both in Florida. On Monday and Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we could be looking at, you know, uh, I guess probably the biggest test Boston's had within the within the beginning of this season, and see what they do. I could I, I see them getting five points out of it probably, so we'll see. All right, so good job. That was a lot of fun. Let's go to the social media and let's go to Brent, who says NHL. Uh, talking about changing the wrong overtime rules. Stop with the shot clock. How about extending the overtime to eight minutes? The ice is not going to be that bad with the extra three minutes. 90% of the games will have a winner. The other 10% a tie. Much better. 100% agree. Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, look, I would I would say eradicate the shootout, go, go to ties, whatever. But if you want to at least try something else first, I would say extend the shoot, extend the overtime so that there's less of a chance to get to the shootout. Yes. Um, Hayward says, how long of a leash does Lambert have with the fish sticks that had a bad loss with the Kraken? Uh, I, I thought that if they come back with no wins on this trip, well, they got the, just Calgary left, right? So it's uh, 
So we'll see what happens there. I, I think the leash is, is short. Now, is that fair? But you heard EJ say earlier in the week, Anthony, that they, they're not necessarily playing the type of game that Lambert is good at. Lambert wants to kind of stretch right. the ice a little bit, and they're not doing that. So um, I, I would think the leash is pretty short. You know, another couple of losses, and I do think there might be a change. Yeah, but like you said, Donna, something that you said on Wednesday stuck with me. Um, Lou is not against making changes if he thinks it'll help. Now, you said that this is not a team that Lambert, if he had his choice, probably wouldn't be mm-hmm. conform- building the roster the way it is right now, more like a trots roster for the way he coaches. Now, if you believe that a different coach, much like the Gallant to LaViolette situation with the Rangers right now, and you know, all you have to do is look down the you look down the LIE and see what's going on to say, yeah, if I bring in a coach that's better for this particular roster in this system, we could turn this around great. If they think it's more than just the coach and they do have some roster holes and changing the coach won't do anything, maybe they do stick with him. Um, but yeah, I could, could there be a change? There probably should be based on the way they're playing, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they're going to do it. Now let's uh, continue. Uh, let's I guess we'll pile on the Islanders here with Tim. Hot take here, but let's go. Lou has ruined the New York Islanders. He oh, blew boy. it with the Taves trade. He never really retooled after Torts firing. He's still a legend, but I don't think he's as effective as he used to be, and I think it's time to step aside. All right. Now you could say, uh, somebody told me, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but you probably, it, it, was, it was a devil, that when the lockout ended in 05 and, and we came back with all the different rules and the salary cap. Uh, uh, a then devil, uh, or a former devil said to me, Current. now we're going to see how good Lou really is. Because you're, you're, you're working under a lot of constraints. The game has changed. Like there was a lot of... This sounds that, familiar. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are different now that don't really work to Lou's strengths. Sure. And he hasn't won a cup. Now he... he, he back-to-back third-round appearances with the Islanders, so you can't say that he's been completely ineffective. But, yeah, he doesn't have that same kind of charisma (laughs) that he had before. Now, the Taves deal, here's what happens when you're kind of a small market team. And I know they're in New York, but let's face it, they're a small market team. Taves was a restricted free agent that they were not going to be able to to sign. So, yeah, what did he get? A couple of second-round picks. So it obviously did not age well. Taves is a great two-way defenseman in Colorado. He's won a Stanley Cup. And, you know, uh, what what did the Islanders ultimately get from that? Not a lot. But there's certain financial constraints that the Islanders were under at that particular time. But, no, Tim makes a good point, though. I mean, Horvat's really the only splash that they made. Um, you got to go back a few years, but, but probably the biggest splash before that was Pajot. Like, yeah. So they don't make a lot of deals. They try to make it work with what they have, and, and quite frankly, it's not working to the level anymore. I mean, if they miss the playoffs this year, then they're two years removed from winning rounds, and you know, got bounced in the first round by Carolina last year. If, if you're out of the playoffs this year, which is looking like a distinct possibility, um, how many more coaches are you going to let him fire before you got to turn the mirror on him? I wouldn't necessarily say that change would be a bad thing. I mean, we've seen it. Look, Don, we do the Michael K show, and uh, and we hear Yankee calls that maybe things have passed Cashman by, and the way that either the Yankees are telling him to run the team or the way that he wants to run the team is not allowing him to have the success that they've had in years past, whether it be you know the luxury tax threshold or not spending as much as they used to. Uh, Lou, I'm not saying that Lou doesn't know what he's doing, but he certainly may, he might have lost his touch or his pulse on what 
makes a good hockey team or what is going to make a team a winner. Now, look, Barry Trotz got these got this team to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they probably should have won the Cup that year that they lost to the that they lost to the Lightning uh, because they certainly weren't going to lose to the Canadians in the bubble. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. That was really their chance, and yeah. if, and and no one would be questioning if they had a Stanley Cup and they got that fifth ring. No one would be questioning Lou. Yeah. Not and this feel, much anyway. Right, but now it just feels like the window is closed. And, and, and you, and yeah, you look I at the so. teams within that division. Carolina's not going anywhere. The Devils aren't going anywhere. Um, you could see some of the other teams that are in the rebuild there. I mean, I think Columbus is starting to figure it out. I think Philadelphia is going to get better over time. I mean, you and their young guys really by. haven't done what they've wanted. I mean, uh, Dobson and uh, and Pulak have, have uh, and Pelic, I should say, have kind of um, have kind of dropped off. Um, Wallstrom has not been what they expected. Um, so even even internally, whether mm-hmm. you think if you think Lou's a good drafter and he's had success in that area, uh, those guys haven't done what you thought that they would do. He Wallstrom hasn't been Barzell's second, and and Horvat and Pajot haven't boosted the offense enough to say, okay, that this is this was this was good. This is what we needed. They haven't gotten that guy yet. Now sticking with that conversation we had about the Islanders and the Hurricanes with the, uh, the, the all the ties and the shootouts, Bobby says a way to end shootouts: bring back ties, play five minute three on three in overtime, use three two one zero point system, three for a regulation win, two for overtime, one each for a tie, zero for loss of any kind. Encourages teams to push for regulation winner and acknowledge three on three with less with one less point one lost in overtime. I, I, here's my problem, Anthony, with the. Um, with the with the point system, I don't want to add another point system because because I'm not I'm not even going to go with the integrity of the you know records and all that stuff Th- that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is right now we're grading losses, right? And did you lose in regulation? You got no points. Did you lose in overtime of the shootout. You 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 got a point. So we're grading losses now by just going the three points for a win, two points for uh, an overtime win. Now now we're grading wins. You know, so is that fair? No, uh, I, I don't got, think so. I always just bring this up. So you're telling me, all right, the Vegas Golden Knights are in or are home against San Jose, all right, and they win the game going away as they should. They get three points, but meanwhile, San Jose goes to Vegas, plays lights out, shocks the world, forces them to go to overtime, wins the game in overtime. They only get two points. Yeah, I Wasn't don't the more heavy lifting done by the Sharks winning in Vegas than Vegas winning in San Jose or winning at home against San Jose? But you're going to tell me that because Vegas did it in the first 60 minutes of the game, they get an extra point, where meanwhile the much harder work was from the worst team in the league beating the best team in the league on the road, and they only get two points? Yeah, I'm not trying to weigh wins here. And I know that, that we say, well, you know, you're weighing wins with the row wins when you're talking about a regulation wins from a tiebreaker standpoint but it's from a tiebreaker standpoint it doesn't add any I can't remember the last time that row and regulation wins mattered that much at the end of the year where we said oh my god this team didn't make it because they only won this many games in regulation dude all we have to do is just get rid of the shootout alright we had it we're trying too hard it's very simple it's going on for 15 years it had it's place it had it's moment but you know what that moment's now passed no one seems to really like it. And the one other thing, too, and we might have talked about this, Anthony, off the air, 
about, well, listen to the reaction of the crowd when they announce the shootout. They're, you're deciding the game. So the fans are going to be excited about that, but it's not going to match the excitement they just watched for five minutes on the three-on-three. Does the three-on-three need to be tweaked just a bit? Has it become more of a possession game? Then I get that. I understand that. So if you want to tweak that, but I would add two or three minutes to the five, to the um, to the overtime, and that at least is the first thing. Like before I get rid of the shootout, I would add three minutes, and I bet you would see there'd be a, a vast reduction in the number of shootouts if you added those three minutes of, of three on three. And then if we only have a handful of them, maybe we'd appreciate it more and it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Uh, And then you could always decide, like they do in the NFL, since there's no more kickoffs, let's get rid of the kickoff. Well, since there's very few shootouts, let's just get rid of the shootout. That's what I'd like to see the league do. So they have no appetite for it, Anthony. I've spoken to people about it. They love the shootout. They think it's the greatest thing they've ever accomplished in their lives over at the NHL. So that doesn't seem like they're going to get rid of it, but I hate it. Well, they're not adding it. We're not adding it to the binder, you're saying. Well, I mean, we could, but it's just going to be a waste of the uh, the precious time we have with Gary when yeah. we do meet with him because yeah. he is just not going. It's it's a it's a it's a it's um it's a non-starter. It's not going to happen. Look, it's fine. I, I get it. And if they want to tweak stuff, that's great. If they want to make it such that there's less shootouts, I'm all for that. I mean, if you, it, it, the least you could do is tell me that we're going to do our best to make sure that we don't get to the shootout as much as possible. Um, then then if that's what we have to do, then we'll work on a way to make it such that there's less shootouts. All right, so thanks for everybody for participating. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the hockey this weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. We'll get EJ Raddick, and we'll recap the weekend. I'm going to be over at The Rock tomorrow for Rangers and Devils. I believe that's going to be on 1050 ESPN New York, because I think the Knicks are playing on Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong about that, but just check your local listings anyway. So, Anthony, this was fun. We'll do it again on Monday. Sounds good to me, Don. Want to get in touch with us? Best way to do that, at Don LaGreca or at Anthony Pusick, at um, or um, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Monday with EJ. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.